BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. This is a transformative time for Black America. Our income is at an all-time high, and the opportunity for economic empowerment is unprecedented. It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long. For instance, they've pledged a staggering $1 billion to programs, partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. Build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com slash blueprints. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. So, friends, at the time of this recording, we are still on indictment watch for Donald Trump. But regardless of whether or not we see the indictments later this week, next week, or beyond, what is really amazing, and, and by amazing, I mean absolutely breathtaking, is the fact that Republicans, particularly those in the House being led by Kevin McCarthy, led, <laughs> I use that in air quotes, are just hell-bent on staking their career, staking the party, staking their legacy on defending Donald Trump. You have Kevin McCarthy sitting down for interviews and saying, you know, this is something that happened seven years ago. He, you know, used his own money. And I'm just like, dude, you are sitting down as a Speaker of the House talking about your presidential candidate who is twice impeached using his quote unquote own money to pay a porn star hush money. How do you justify this? But the, you see, the thing is, particularly with reporters, and this is why I get so consistently pissed off with the way that these people are allowed to just have airtime, no real questions, no real pushback, no real follow-up. If I were a reporter and I'm sitting down with Kevin McCarthy and he offers up this, oh, it was seven years ago and the statute of limitation and blah, 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 and he used his own money, I'm saying to you, Speaker McCarthy, regardless of Donald Trump, like, let's say you're right and we actually need to go through the legal process in order to recognize or find out if in fact your assertion is correct. One, 
You claim to be the law and order party, but it seems that with every time that there is a member of your party that is caught up in legal woes, you actually don't want to see the legal process through and feel like there should be some way to sidestep. Someone's political affiliation has nothing to do with whether or not they have broken the law, right? So I'm confused about your assertion on one hand around, let's say, your party's desperate desire to quote unquote lock her up as it pertained to Hillary Clinton, which had no factual evidence or basis thereof, because if it did, wouldn't have Donald Trump have tried a case or pushed his Department of Justice to investigate I mean, he had both Jeff Sessions and Bill Barr, and neither one of them opened up any type of investigation into Hillary Clinton. And he claimed that she needed to be locked up. And that was the first thing that he was going to do. So if Hillary Clinton can sit for an 11 hour browbeating committee hearing, surely Donald Trump can go through the legal process. And then when he comes out, you know, maybe innocent and found to be innocent and victorious on the other end. Wouldn't that be the process that you'd want to go through? Just sit there and wait. Also following up, you claim to be the party that cares about family values. So let's put all the hush money and illegal payments and, you know, campaign finance stuff aside. Donald Trump is a married man who slept with a porn star. How does that align with the party's family values? And just wait. I'm so confused about why these easy moves and questions can't happen. Similarly, you had over the weekend, Mike Pence give an interview on ABC. Now, Mike Pence is the weakest of the week. I mean, honestly, he makes Kevin McCarthy look like Arnold Schwarzenegger back in his prime during, you know, Total Recall. I just aged myself, but nonetheless, that was a good movie. But... Mike Pence sits down with ABC and, you know, talks about how this legal mess with Donald Trump is just, you know, a political witch hunt. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, you wouldn't get into your own fucking vice presidential motorcade on January 6th. So can you speak to why you decided not to get into your motorcade? Because it has been reported that you were, one, afraid to get into your motorcade, and two, because you didn't know where you would be taken and who was driving the car. What did you mean by that? Right, if those assertions are true. And also, Mike Pence, you bring up the fact that the district attorney should be dealing with, quote unquote, you know, a crime wave that is happening in New York City, but that's actually factually untrue. Because we have data here, pulling out the receipts, showcasing that New York's crime has actually been on the decline. But if you look at places like Florida, which is ruled, you know, with a heavy hand by Ron DeSantis, and you look at places like Ohio uh, that just, you know, gave up a, a Senate seat to a Republican, J.D. Vance, you look at those areas and their crime weight is way higher than New York City. So what is the talking point about New York City's crime wave that actually doesn't exist? And just wait. I just don't understand why we allow Republicans to hijack a microphone, say whatever the fuck they want, not be asked any type of follow-up questions, and that these reporters don't show up with any of their fucking homework done. I don't get it. So when we think to ourselves that our democracy is hanging on by a thread, it isn't just because of the likes of Donald Trump. 
It isn't just because of the grifting criminal ass Republican Party, right? It isn't just because they are a bunch of white supremacist evangelical Christo fascist. It is because we have a media that wants more to do with access than they do accountability. They want to be able to get these people in the chair for their ratings, but not actually hold them responsible for any of the hot shit that comes out of their mouth. And that is just unthinkable, particularly looking at the last seven years and thinking to yourself, did you fucking learn anything? And clearly by the last several interviews in the last several years, the answer is no. Coming up next, friends, I'm very excited uh, to welcome to Woke AF Daily, Ellie Merritt, whose new book, How to Save Democracy, has been released now. And he's also going to be talking about the 2023 Summit for Democracy, which will be taking place on March 29th. And you'll learn more about the 2023 Summit for Democracy in our conversation. That is coming up next. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Hey guys, it's Steve Cavino from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck... You buy Toyota Dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Folks, I am very excited to welcome to Woke AF Daily for the very first time, Dr. Eli Merritt, who is a political historian at Vanderbilt University. 
and writes a newsletter for Substack called American Commonwealth and is the author of a new book entitled How to Save Democracy. I am very excited to have you here because as you know, Eli, I spend probably way too much time having conversations about our democracy, about whether or not we have the temerit, you know, to save it. Because I think that we're spending a lot of conversation and a lot of time right now wondering, pontificating on, do we think it's really at risk? Is this over, you know, close to 250 year project, can it really crumble under the weight of one incredibly bad presidency and, you know, this force called Trumpism and Magadam? I want to start off with asking, you know, what has led you to believe that our democracy is currently at risk, at stake? It's good to be with you to start with. Thanks for the work you do. I think you've already made some important allusions to uh, what was a wake-up call for me. And, you know, I'm on my second career. I practiced psychiatry for 20 years, and only in 2018, after uh, witnessing in a somewhat traumatic way, like others, the presidency of Trump, did I begin to feel acutely that our democracy was at risk. And that really set me about, I was already researching a history book at that time, but that set me about deep research into demagogues. And that, you can use a lot of terms for Trump, but the most significant from the, from the perspective of researching and understanding what happens to democracy is the demagogue. Democracy, in the Western tradition at least, was born in Athens in the 5th century BC, and so at the same time was the word demagogue. That gives us an idea of what we're dealing with. And so as I researched in in history, but also watched Trump, I saw in real life this phenomenon that's well-documented happening. And that is something happens in the political system so that we allow a demagogue to become head of state. And that's bad enough, as we all know, due simply to the divisiveness, fear-mongering and hate-mongering and racism and xenophobia, which is characteristic of demagogues. But then something bad happens once a demagogue gets the power of the presidency they convert. It's well known in history. You just get worse. All principles are yep. power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. So all of all of this happening. And then the Republican Party already had its problem, shall we say, but it got much worse with Trump. So I, I am I democracy is fragile. Human beings are fragile. So, yes, we have to do what you stand up and do every day is fight hard for our democracy. And it starts with understanding actually how democracy works. I thought five years ago I understood and I started to study and I'm still studying and learning new things about democracy every day. So we, our democracy is categorically at risk. Now we have DeSantis rising. who I will just, people can use invective or whatever they want, but he is practicing something known to political science to be constitutional hardball. That is his stock in trade. He's good at it. And unfortunately, it, even when it's constitutional hardball, it is a harbinger of worse forms of authoritarianism. So there's a lot to be done, and we just need to get more people involved in the fight and picking one corner of democracy to work hard on. That's what I've done. What has really been troubling me is trying to put into context the perfect storm that we find ourselves in, right? I often talk on Woke AF about the late author Octavia Butler, 
who wrote the series Parable of the Sower, Parable of the Talents. And in Parable of the Sower, you open up into this dystopian American present. It's actually the time that we're living in now. She wrote it in 1993, and it opens up in the 2020s because it seemed the 2020s seemed 30, you know, plus years into the future. And what she surmises in this science fiction novel is that this perfect storm of economic calamity, climate change, and a rise in white Christian nationalism was going to overtake America. She was writing science fiction, and I see her as a soothsayer, uh, somebody that was actually able to read the tea leaves and put it into a fictional context, and we're living in that future that she imagined. Mm -hmm. What do you see as the perfect storm that has allowed a figure like Trump to go from the margins of the Tea Party and birtherism, right? Birtherism, what I would like to remind people, is what buoyed Trump into the political stage. He was a reality TV star hiring and firing people on NBC, right? Barack Obama, the first African-American president, becomes president. Birtherism, the Tea Party, is born out of that. And at the time, it stays on the margins. What is it do you see that allowed it to move from the margins to the mainstream and now become the absolute cancer on our democracy that it is? Yeah, that's a very good question. And, you know, There's a lot of factors, but it is important to zero in on some of the most important of those factors. And to pick one, it is very clear to me that Donald and and so many other people who have looked at it from this perspective, that Donald Trump is a direct descendant of Rush Limbaugh and less importantly, but still importantly, Newt Gingrich. But Rush Limbaugh, under the Reagan administration, there was the uh, abolishment of the fairness doctrine in media. Rush Limbaugh became this cancer, absolutely pernicious cancer that you're talking about. And that's in the late 1980s. So this has been growing, so to speak, in the Republican Party for some time. So I think the irresponsibility and lack of ethics that we have in our media is profoundly important in this whole process of Trump coming about. And I have, I guess a couple of months ago, written about that on my Substack that you brought up, American Commonwealth, you know, pointing to three causes of the rise of Trump. And one is the loss of ethical codes within the media. Mm. And another is the failure of our education system to, I don't blame the people for voting for Trump. Actually, I blame all of us for having such a terrible educational system when it comes to education about democracy and civics. And, but the most important and the most addressable is actually the In the early 1970s, we reformed our presidential nominating system from a system which had checks and balances to prevent someone like Trump from being nominated in the national convention, the Republican National Convention. We've gone from indirect primaries to direct primaries. And I hold that one thing to be the most responsible. If we we understood more deeply that democracy is first and foremost about the will of the people, Yep. And voting, but that's not all it is. Uh, direct democracies throughout history have been demonstrated to implode. So that's why representative democracy and republican forms of government are far more superior 
The Greek democracy lasted about 100 years, really, or maybe 180. And the Roman Republic, much more sophisticated form of government, lasted almost 500 years. So we reformed our presidential nominating system. And so in both of the parties, the conventions cannot stop a demagogue or authoritarian because their hands are tied behind their backs. So I would keep democracy in our primary system, but I would probably have the people elect the delegates and the delegates go to the convention and pick candidates after selecting the platform so that the president has to follow the party platform, not the president come in as Trump did, destroy the party platform and completely take the entire party by hostage. So those media and the presidential nominating system, I hold accountable for Trump's entry into the White House. I love where you started as well, which is a broken education system, right? I'm a former educator. I I worked as a first and second grade early childhood educator, and then I moved into education policy when I went to work on the Hill. And the thing that I have consistently said is that if you want to disrupt democracy, you create an undereducated citizenry. We're seeing this play out with DeSantis that you mentioned, you know, before. DeSantis is gutting Florida's curriculum, which was pretty much trash before. In rankings, if you look at the way that Florida ranks as a public school uh, K through 12 education system, it is hovering in the 30s and in the 40s, right? Particularly if you go into math and science and writing and what have you. He's doing even worse to drive good teachers out of the classroom, to make people fearful, so much so that they're covering up books, right, in their classroom for fear of criminalization. When you see a DeSantis, who, in my opinion, is much more maniacal, Eli, than Trump is at all, but yet the media is normalizing DeSantis and the actions that he's taking. I'm seeing headlines in the New York Times and the Washington Post and other credible outlets that are talking about, let's get inside the mind of Ron DeSantis, right? What Democrats can learn from Ron DeSantis. Does that trouble you more so than Trump to think that maybe the media hasn't learned anything over the last seven years? Well, you're saying a number of things. And one there, you know, is that the media has for decades, it's not a recent phenomenon, tended towards sensationalization. And that's happening with regard to DeSantis. A bit like, you know, Trump became the darling of the press for very different reasons. DeSantis has become the darling of the press. And I I think the press needs to exercise more uh, critical thinking about DeSantis. And I'm thinking of doing some writing you know, about him that is not hyperbolic or there'll be a little alarmism in it. But the, the I think a big question on a lot of people's mind is, I mean, plenty of people, everyone in the Democratic Party, and some people in the Republican Party probably don't want DeSantis or Trump. Uh, but the question on a lot of people's mind is, well, wait a minute, if we had to choose one, who would you choose? Because the idea behind Trump is, yeah, he's dangerous, but he's a bit of a bumbling idiot is the way people think about it. And DeSantis, however, is smart and firm and and sharpens his arrows and moves forward. I feel very nervous about both of them, certainly. And but Mm -hmm. Trump is already a proven entity. Extremely dangerous, extremely unpredictable. DeSantis, I feel very nervous about um, as well. 
but at least he has some history in his past of being a true constitutionalist, believing in the Constitution. And so one important thing to recognize is he is playing to the base right now. That's another challenge or problem we have with our primary system is when someone like DeSantis comes out, he has to play to the base. And that's what he's doing. Certainly, I think DeSantis has the ability, and I don't know whether any internal ethical gyroscope, to come more to the middle if he does win the Republican nomination. So I'm not sure if that was your question or what you were looking at, but I don't want to pick either of them uh, for the Republican nominee. But if I had to pick one, I would prefer DeSantis. You know, and there is a risk in the future of some, you know, all that power could go to his head and things could get more chaotic. You could have a terrible economic recession like you're describing. Society could explode into chaos and he could become more authoritarian. I think it is a risk. Uh, but Trump, I just can't. I can't. <laughs> Trump would be my last person on the planet, I think, to become the Republican nominee. I mean, I don't want either of them either. You know, I, I neither of them to me are bode well for our democracy, bode well for people of color, for queer people in this country, for women. I think that they both present an existential threat. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Hey guys, it's Steve Cavino from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold this value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Where I want to pivot now is to the Summit for Democracy and to your book. In Save Our Democracy, you have inspirational quotes and figures of 95 leaders 
for us to look at and kind of glean inspiration from. Talk to us about, you know, how you went about choosing these folks and why they should be models for how we look to save our democracy. Yeah. And so it's called How to Save Democracy, Advice and Inspiration from 95 World Leaders. And as you said, they're all derived from the first summit for democracy. And we're approaching at the end of March, the second summit. And what happened for me in, in pulling together this book of quotations is, I, as we, you and I have been talking about a lot today, I'm constantly trying to learn more about democracy. So at the end of, the, at the end of December of 2021, I began to listen to some of the speeches. Many of them are only five minutes. Many go up to 10 minutes. And I just really found out I was really learning quite a bit about democracy that I didn't understand and very, from, from, from leaders from all across the country. And really the most inspiring, remarkably to me, quotations are the, those that come from the leaders of small island democracies in the Caribbean and some other island democracy. It was fascinating. You know, there's a hard side and a soft side of democracy. And it seemed to me that the only folks willing to talk about democracy from the perspective of the soft side were these, again, these leaders of island democracies. They would talk, they would say important things like, you know, you better get up and defend our democracy because there is no other system of government which stands there for us, inviting us to come in in pursuit, and these are all small quotations from the book, pursue self-realization, self-actualization, the pursuit of human fulfillment and dignity. So I started off trying to learn more about democracy. And after I'd listened to a few, I did begin to hear some real poetry in some of the quotations. I would say half of them are quite poetic and beautiful to read. And the other half that aren't as poetic, they still provide instruction or warning. There's a section about threats and menaces to democracy. And I've always been someone who has found reading personally to be quite therapeutic and helpful to me, finding my grounding and my strength and my courage to speak up against conformity. The, the quotations and speeches by Lincoln have been important to me. Very important also is the speeches and writings of Martin Luther King. Um, what's the name of the wonderful book of his collections? Uh, a Testament of Hope. I mean, everyone should have a testament of hope at their bedside, along with this new book here called How to Save Democracy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but no, it's really beautiful. I mean, we, we all need all the help we can get, both from the, maybe three perspectives, figuring out how democracy works, figuring out what we can do, and then finding the inspiration to get involved. That's one of the most important messages of the summits and of the book is to Get involved, but I do know when you say that to people, they think, "Well, I'm busy and I don't really know how." Mm -hmm. I, if, if somebody wants to know, you know, how do you begin possibly to get involved with democracy work? I think the best way is to just just start learning about democracy. Just don't really assume that you know and understand what democracy is. Whether it's through some well-selected YouTube videos or a book like this or another book, just start to dive in and understand democracy more deeply and. I think that's that's the only way I began to found my direct to find my direction was by being curious and wanting to understand how democracy works and what the heck is going wrong with ours now, what needs to be done to fix it, and then what tiny thing can I do to be helpful? I think that the scariest thing about the moment that we're in, both in this country and globally, because what we're seeing globally is a rise in fascism and a rise in authoritarianism. You can look to Hungary, you can look to Italy, you can look to Brazil, thankfully, you know, elected 
a person that believes in democracy, but then we watched as they did a insurrection 2.0. And so what I think is really startling about this moment is that these leaders, what they have in common is their ability to zap hope, right? To drain hope from the people and in its place instill this sense of fear, fear of self and fear of the other, right? To create this illusion that they alone can fix it, right? That you just want somebody to come in and make things better because they have created this illusion that everything around you is terrible. And so, you know, as we wrap right now, I just want to give you another moment to talk about the power of hope, the power of hope and inspiration, particularly in a moment that is filled with a lot of despair. Uh, that's a great question. And I, you know, I find a great amount of hope in, in the reading of history and building community with others. Then I, I have something to say that might not sound very helpful to people, but it is to me. And that is, this is work that we should do with direction and, and hope, certainly, and the objective to restore democracy and to safeguard our democratic values. Uh, but we should also do the work because simply it's important. We want to keep what's described as the spirit of liberty alive, even if times get worse in the future. We want to hand that down to the next generation, to children and to grandchildren, so that they don't forget what liberty and freedom is and even how to build a democracy. So if something more uh, catastrophic happens to our democracy in the next mm -hmm. 50 years, that doesn't mean that democracy is not going to undergo a resurgence. So we will need people who are carrying that flame onward. And so some of my writing, I'm not sure I, what to do to make sure people read some of it in 50 years, but these ideas are everlasting and far and away as 100 out of 100 of the world leaders said at the last summit, and they'll say again at this summit, there is no better system of government than representative democracy. It is wonderful. Even if we lose it for a spell, it is wonderful. And so if you lose it, you just have to figure out how to go about finding it again or building it anew. That's hopeful to me. <laughs> that is hopeful to me. Dr. Eli Merritt, thank you so much for making the time to join Woke AF folks. Again, his newsletter on Substack is called American Commonwealth. And his new book is How to Save Democracy, Advice and Inspiration from 95 World Leaders. Thank you for making the time for Woke AF and I hope to have you back again on in the future. Thank you, Danielle. Great to talk to you. That is it for me today, dear folks on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. 
With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 